Hi everyone, and welcome to the place where we discuss all things communication. This is Guide to Awesomeness, powered by Coldwell Banker, Ronan Realty. Hello everyone, joining me today is my friend and instructor, Mr. Jason Figliano, founder and leader of Canadian Black Belt Academy and Gracie Jiu-Jitsu Academy. Mr. Jason is a fifth degree black belt in Shotokan Kempo Karate and a second degree black belt in Gracie Jiu Jitsu. His expertise has led him to consult and teach courses within the community, high school kids, and law enforcement agencies. He has provided instruction on anti bullying, self defense, and combative engagement training. Jason is also frequently invited to speak as a motivational and subject matter expert at various business summits. Mr. Jason is a trusted community member, giving back to the causes supporting the undeserved and disadvantaged. I've had the privilege of knowing Mr. Jason for a few years now and can honestly say that he is a great example of what determination and drive can do and how finding your passion can make it all worth it. Mr. Jason, thank you for joining me. Good morning. Thanks for having me. And uh, wow, that was a great intro. Thank you so much. I think it's one of the best intros I've had so far. I appreciate that. I, I like to think that I spend my time trying to make sure that I, I talk about everything that everybody has to offer as, as quickly as possible. Love it. Just to get things started, um, talking about that idea of doing things you're passionate about. The, the concept is that you do work that you're passionate about, but they also say that you'll lose passion for something if it becomes a job. Do you believe that either of these statements are true? And how do you make sure that the passion you have for what you do doesn't phase out? So yeah, absolutely. Touching on your first part, I mean, passion only gets you so far. And I've experienced that burnout where I've questioned whether or not what I was doing is still something I wanted to do. And the key factors behind why you get that burnout is poor planning on your part, or you've networked yourself with the wrong people and you've put yourself in the wrong scenario. You know, I can be passionate about building motorcycles, but if I'm in a garage where the other mechanics and the owners are not in a conducive relationship where everyone's trying to better each other, one-up each other for negative reasons, then it's going to kill my passion pretty quickly. And then if I don't have the foresight to understand that my passion is getting killed, not by uh, me questioning whether or not it was really my passion, but more so by the people around me, then I'm going to lose out on something that I could get really good at. I could become very well at. So for me personally, uh, my original environment was great, and then it turned sour and I had that questioning of myself. I said, you know, is martial arts really something I wanted to do for the rest of my life? Is this really my passion? And I had to sit back and I realized that the network I had surrounded myself with wasn't the greatest. And as soon as I removed that, that network around me, my passion came back. However, the burnout came because of that. And it also came because I didn't plan properly certain things and I made some mistakes. So I had to learn how to to plan properly and how to budget myself properly. And when I say budget, I don't mean monetary, just monetarily. I, I mean, mentally, physically, emotionally, you need to be able to budget yourself because once you start going after your passion, it becomes 24 seven, you know, you wake up, you check things about your business. You're in the bathroom, you check things on your business. You know, you're at a red light, you check things on your, like it doesn't end. And, and some people want to sit there and say, yes, your passion ends. It, it doesn't. The moment I wake up to the moment I close my eyes, I'm working. And for some people, business is passion. So they have that ability to turn it on and off. They can, you know, 8 a.m. turn it on and five o'clock when they go home, turn it off. But when your passion, in my opinion, is something specific, it's 24 seven. 
you know, mechanics always looking at the newest upgrades, the newest cards, the newest ways to do things, the newest uh, quick fixes. Um, martial artists and businesses, same thing. I like that kind of idea that passion is 24-7, right? You can't, you can't just let it step to the side or else it's no longer something. It's obviously not something you're passionate about. And I think that determines for people if they're, if they're actually finding something they're passionate about and they're doing something they're passionate about. If they find that they're shutting it off, it might not be where they want to be. Exactly. And in the idea of the fact that you're running, running a business, you run it in a competitive market, not only with other martial arts schools, but with other activity programs, what makes you stand out in such a busy market? In martial arts, we always say our biggest uh, competition is soccer, baseball, and hockey. And we also say that if soccer, baseball, and hockey taught respect, discipline, and control, then there would be no need for martial arts, but they don't. However, when we talk about competition, soccer, baseball, hockey is definitely one of them, and other martial arts schools, absolutely. What makes us stand out is you've got to be able to keep up with the times. You know, 15 years ago when we were teaching kids, we weren't competing against iPads, we weren't competing against video games that went with the graphic stimulations as, as high as they do. Now, we've got to compete against that. 15, 20 years ago, you could have a kid's class of an hour and a half long. Now, you can't have it that long. It's impossible just because of how many things kids are involved in, how fast their stimulus is changing. You know, they're on iPod for 20, 30 minutes, and then they're on something else. So being competitive in that result the other thing that stands us out is martial arts is the vehicle that gets us towards the attitudinal qualities that we try and instill in children. And it's not the other way around. Where if I'm teaching hockey, I want those goals and I want that championship. And along that way, I don't really care if all the kids on the team know that these two kids are the best kids. And I always say this, like, as a parent, ask your child, who's the best kid on your baseball team? And guess what they're going to say? They're going to know that, that, who that kid is. Then if you say, okay, who's the worst kid on the baseball team? Guess what? They're going to know who the worst kid is. And if you don't think the best kid knows that and the worst kid knows that, you're crazy. You come to a martial arts class and you say, who's the best person on the floor? No one's going to say anybody because the gauge is yourself and yourself alone. You know, obviously, if, if you've got sparring going on, you have people that are better at certain things than others, but no one's better at everything. It's impossible. Even myself, I developed certain parts of my martial arts training, both business and physical, to, to the experts in the field and the people that, that are going to be better than me. And the other thing about uh, the competition is not really caring what they're doing as long as what they're doing is conducive to, to good martial arts. I always say that the best thing I could ever have is if every martial arts school in my town opened up right next to me. So that a parent can pull up or a student can pull up. They didn't have to waste gas going place to place. They could step into every facility and see why we're the better choice. And we never want to be good enough. We always want to be better than. I don't want to be the only martial arts school in town because then I'm just good enough in everyone's eyes. I want to be the best option in town, which is why we need competition. Makes sense. And, and I think to, to relate that, obviously, to, to any other business is realizing that understanding your own competition is knowing the fact that you, once again, you want to be better than everyone. You don't want to be, be good enough. If you're the only one there, then there's no competition, like you said. But then also knowing if the business itself is, is not running the way it needs to, you can also always look at, okay, what's my competition doing that's different? What am I needing to do to make myself that next step better? Exactly. And you want to know 
how you find out what the competition is doing different. It's not a dirty tactic. It's not anything. It's, it's basically look at the reviews and testimonials that people are saying about them. You know, I find that in, in martial arts specific. Now I'm going to talk about uh, schools that are very focused on the sport, on very focused on competition. They don't have as many reviews that come from the heart. They got a five star and that's it. If you go on my, my academy's reviews, people are, are raving about the martial arts values we're instilling. You know, and if we apply it to another business, it's kind of like, I want people to see the customer support and I want them to see the, the ability of how good the product is. When the product is okay, but there's no customer support, people will just buy it because it's better than. It's good enough for what they want. But when you add that customer support behind it, it's definitely going to raise the value of your product. So, And as a small business owner, do you think that it's important to have both local as well as global outreach to garner that support for your business? Every business is, is very different. You know, for us, I want to say we're 80 to 90% local because, you know, you have to physically be into the school to, to actually learn something. However, we definitely do that global outreach, right? We definitely do the online programming for people to attend to. We definitely, like I travel a lot to teach seminars and go around to different places. I've been to uh, everywhere across the U.S. I've been to Australia, down south. I've done a whole bunch of different things. And it's great because you get to see what everybody else is doing and you get to experience what everybody else is doing. I mean, one of my greatest uh, things that I added to the program was I walked into the bathroom of, of another martial arts school and I saw that they had done a certain thing to their bathroom, and this was in Australia, and I was like, okay, great. That, that's what I'm going to do here in my other schools, and I switched it up. That's kind of like the global outreach, I guess, program that you would say or the global global idea that you would say. And the, and the best way to hit that is going to be social media right now. And I say right now because we don't know what the future has in store. We really don't. I mean, 20 years ago, if you told me that Facebook was going to be important to my business, we would have said you're crazy. Now, if you're not on Facebook, it's, you know, you're crazy not to. And then five years ago, if you would have said Instagram was important to my business, I would have said you're crazy, you know, and now it does. And um, there's something to be said and proof in the pudding about, you know, likes and followers. I know I hate using that term and I hate using that word because I think it's, it's destroying a lot of the fabric of why we are the way we are in society. But it does give validation if a parent goes on my Facebook page or my Instagram page and sees, you know, 10,000 followers versus another place that's only got 1,000 followers. And, you know, obviously I don't have 10,000 people in the, the Bolton area where my one school is that are following me. You know, I've got people from around the world because I've been doing business around the world. Exactly. And that's the thing, like everybody now goes to your website to figure out who you are, goes and follows your, checks your Instagram account, goes and checks everything because that's, it's readily available to us all. If, if that wasn't there, we would still have to go in and talk to the person to figure out whether or not they were the right fit. Exactly. And what would you say is the biggest factor in your success? There's a, and it's, it's eluding me now. There's a famous, I think he was a, a, a conquistador. He basically, they invaded, I want to say Brazil. It's not a great story, but the message is great. And they brought their ships and they were doing an invasion and they, we're losing this invasion, so the soldiers all said that they want to retreat and go back to Spain. And the general turned around and he burned down all the ships. And he basically made it so that there was no other option. We're not going home. Period. And so I've kind of always lived my business life 
with the fact that I've burned any other plan B, plan C, plan D. You know, a lot of people will sit there and say, well, you know, if I do this and it doesn't work out, I can always fall back on this. I have never had a fallback. You know, whether or not it's good, bad, or indifferent, I, I think it goes from person to person. But for me, it's, it's, I've, I've just never had a fallback. You know, I've never had a cushion behind me that if martial arts doesn't work, I can go work at this accounting company or I can go work as, as this, you know, it's, it was never an option. Now, have I done side jobs as I was doing martial arts? Absolutely. At one point I was teaching martial arts full time. I was bouncing and I was doing side landscaping jobs on the side on weekend. You know, you have to push to do, but those were never going to be a fallback. So when the only position is forward, you're going to find a way to move forward. And so that's always been my number one thing that's, that's kept me going. I wake up in the morning not thinking, you know, am I going to fail? I think about what are the different ways I'm going to keep succeeding. I never say I'm successful because the only way you're going to be saying that you're successful is when you're on your deathbed and you're looking back at the rest of your life and you can smile. So a lot of business owners, they chase this idea of success. It's unattainable. Because if you stop and you're like, hey, I am currently successful and I am happy now and I can stop, it's like, well, no, there's always a new level of success you can attain. But that only goes towards your passion, I think. If you're working something that you're not passionate about and you're always uh, chasing that success, I think eventually you're going to be realizing that the success is only helping everybody else but you because you're not doing it for yourself. And then you're going to experience that burnout and you're not going to be successful and you're not going to be, you know, the top of your game, let's call it. And I like the fact that you kind of pulled it back into that idea. That way our listeners can see and understand the fact of understanding what that passion is, right? Knowing that if you're not passionate about it, then you will, you'll face all of those struggles and you're going to need to then redirect yourself to figure out, okay, where, where am I going with this and why am I doing what I'm doing? And all of those sort of questions. Exactly. Exactly. You like to challenge yourself both physically and mentally. Do you think that this reflects in the battles that you face when running a business? And do you think that the two have a correlation? Let's talk about the physical part. In jujitsu, sometimes I put myself in stupid positions where I can get I can get submitted. And you do that to challenge yourself. Martial arts is the same thing, you know. When we're sparring, you know this just as well, Jonah. When you're sparring, sometimes you're like, you know what, I, I fight left side forward, I'm gonna fight right side forward today. Put myself in a bad position, okay? And, and, and it only makes us better. Struggle makes us better. As a business, I'll, I'll do that from time to time with my staff, with myself, and with the business. And a lot of people sit there and say, well, it's not good business. Well, I beg to differ because sometimes, this is going to sound bad, but sometimes you need to shoot a few hostages to send a message to that you're ready to, to talk business, you know? So sometimes I'll look at my floor and it's like, one person calls in sick. We, never, we generally need three instructors. Okay, you know what? They're going to have to learn how to do it with two instructors and make it just as good, if not better, because it's going to only make them grow. Can I call in another instructor? Absolutely. Do I want to call in an instructor? Not really, because when I started this, I was teaching classes of 30, 40 people by myself and getting the exact same results. There's no reason why anybody else can't do that, because it is a skill set that can be acquired. Passion makes you better long-term success, but skill set is something that everybody can learn. You know, you have the right personality behind being an instructor, let's say, then you got to give them the proper skill set. And the only way you can bring that out of them is by putting them to the fire once in a while. And that's challenging them on the floor. From a business standpoint, externally, you know, sometimes I will stop all forms of uh, advertisement 
and I'll tell my staff, hey, listen, I'm not advertising anymore. It's up to you guys to make sure classes are so amazing that they're referring people. And that tests the limits of how my floor is going. You know, are we highly referral based? For us, we are, uh, thankfully. And then when I talk about mental challenge and physical challenge, I mean, sometimes I, I, I've done weeks where it's like this week, I'm going to teach all by myself classes and that's it. You know, I haven't done that in, since the pandemic started, but it, it's a fun little thing where it's like, you know what, all the staff have got all the week off and I'm teaching the rest of the week. And then the staff sit back and they're like, oh, you're going to run the whole school by yourself? Go, yep, no problems. I did it before. I'll do it again. And that's my own little challenge I'll do. Sometimes the mental challenge for a lot of people they don't realize is putting your phone down. Some people need to, to say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to stop looking at my phone. That's a mental challenge in itself. Reading a book. I always tell people 10 pages a day. If you can do 10 pages a day, then it's great. I always try and hit up 10 pages a day as a minimum. But yeah, definitely challenging yourself in both business and personal is, is very important to the growth of both if it's your passion. You know, if you're working nine to five for someone else, making someone else's dollar, you're not going to be wanting to challenge yourself. You're not going to be wanting to challenge anything. You're, you, you know, you're there for the betterment of the business, but at the end of the day, when five o'clock hits, you're not responsible for the bills. You're not responsible for the overhead, nothing. You get your paycheck like everybody else. Now, if your passion is to excel in that business, that's a little different for sure. But I would definitely say to people that are working for somebody else that have a passion that they want to pursue, challenge yourself in that passion. Don't challenge yourself in your business position for someone else. Of course. Unless you can see a learning and a growth potential. And, and I think that's a, that's a great note to sort of somewhat end on. But before we go, I have three questions for you. Let's go. Let's hear them. So what is something you do to ensure that you are always striving to work productively? I hold myself accountable on a stupid level. And then I pick two people that have nothing to do with my business and make, not even two, sometimes it's just one. And I make sure I tell them what I plan on doing and they have full authority that if I'm not pulling my weight to say whatever they want to say, however they want to say it, to put me back on pace. So like I said earlier on, if you've got a good network and you remember your network doesn't have to be involved in whatever your business is. You know, I've got a good friend from high school that's never done martial arts in his life except for when he lived with me and we used to fight. That was it. And I'll tell him, hey, I want to do this and I want to do this in the next three months. I'll be like, okay, cool. A month will go by, he goes, did you do this? I'll be like, no. He'll make it sound like he's disappointed in me, which he is, rightfully so. I'm, I'm the one that I told him to. So, you know, hold yourself accountable to some st stupid levels and don't give in to this it's okay mentality mindset that the culture is going through right now. I'm seeing a lot of people that are saying, oh, you know, it's okay to be burnt out. It's okay to not achieve all your goals. It's okay. No, it's not okay to do any of that stuff. It really isn't. Stop giving people the excuses by being one of those, you know, influencers and saying, it's okay that if you set goals that you can't achieve them, you're there for just yourself. It's like, no, you set a goal for a reason. It's not like somebody told you you had to do this goal. You sat back and you said, hey, I want to do this. And at one point in your life, you are at such a high or you are at such a low where you set this goal and it gave you the reasoning to set a goal in the first place and say this was my goal. You know, either we're at such a high in our life that we can see the light at the end of the tunnel of something else. And we're like, you know what? I'm going to set this other goal, which sounds crazy impossible. Or you're at such a low in your life where you're like, you know what? I need to change. And this is my goal. And you got to set those goals so crazy that you remember why you set them in the first place. You know, it's, it's not like I want to make $10 tomorrow. That, that's easy. If you say, hey, I want to make 
a million dollars by the end of the year. Set that crazy goal because if you only make $100,000 by the end of the year, it's better than $10 and it's closer to a million than you were if you had set it at $1,000. So yeah, that's one is, is just setting, setting myself at stupidly crazy and, and holding myself accountable with other people because I'll, I'll hold myself accountable. But at the end of the day, you know, if, I, if somebody else is restricting something from me because of my accountability loss, then it makes me work harder. It's almost like setting a secondary goal underneath everything. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and you know me, Jonah. Like, I talk a lot of trash. Like, a lot of trash. I love it. Mm-hmm. And I got to be yep. able to back it up, period. Like, we take jiu-jitsu, for example. I never profess that I'm a sports jiu-jitsu guy. Like, I can go to tournaments and beat anybody. Like, I'll fight like it's no one's business tomorrow in a real fight. So, if you're going to talk the talk, you got to be able to walk the block. And, and you got to make it so that you get super embarrassed if... You talk a big game and you don't back it up. I like that. That's a, I think that's a good an analogy within that. Mm-hmm. What is one habit that's transformed your life? This is an interesting one because it's one that a lot of people shy away from. It's a combination of breath work and meditation. Now, when I say meditation, a lot of people sit there and they think about the guy sitting on the pillow chanting for an hour. Sometimes I'll pull up to a location, turn off my truck, close my eyes for five minutes with good posture and just breathe in a certain cycle. Five minute meditation a day sometimes is what I've only been able to fit in. Sometimes it's an hour meditation. Sometimes it's 20 minutes. Meditation and learning how to quiet your mind or letting all the channels in your brain cycle through so that you can get to work has been key and learning how to breathe properly. So there's different breathwork classes that I've done that I, that I do that help to reset my system, so to speak. A lot of times when you're feeling anxiety, a lot of times when you're feeling overwhelmed, a lot of times when you're feeling stressed, your mind is in overdrive and you're not breathing properly. So your, your body's just not, it's a machine at the end of the day, you know, and you're using crappy oil and crappy gas when you're trying to run it on a race, let's say. So meditation and breath work have been the two things. And I know it's not conducive to business. People sit there and they're like, I want to hear about your planner. I want to hear about your five steps. I want to hear about this. I want to hear about your, your map to action. It's like, no, you know what? All that stuff is great. And, and there's a million books out there on what's important. But at the end of the day, if you don't keep your, your mind right and your body right, it's going to be very, very difficult to do all that stuff. And once again, I think it's important that people understand that, that there's no, it's not just about the, the book. It's not just about the quick fix. There's a long-term care that your body and mind needs to make sure that you're, you're able to do everything you need to. Absolutely. Absolutely. Finally, if you could write a chapter in the guide to awesomeness, what would the title be? Without using a swear word? Please. <laughs> you know, I struggle to answer that because to give you a chapter heading for one chapter would be doing a disservice to the other chapters I would have in there because they would all play on each other. But the one I guess that I'm going to say today is be real. And when I say be real, it's strip yourself down to who you are as a person and know what your values are, what your beliefs are, and not care about what other people are going to think Say, act, or do. And do these things that you're going to do in life 
because it's for your own character, for your own values, and for your own beliefs. And that they're not polluted or influenced by other people's values, beliefs, and characters. And by be real, I mean, like, I've done martial arts my whole life, and I got picked on for doing martial arts. It's funny. We do, it, we do something that's a, a fighting art, and we get picked on it for it. Didn't make any sense. And wanting to teach martial arts, people are like, you're not going to make any money. Opening a school and doing martial arts, I had family looking at me going, okay, but what's your real job? No, this is my real job. I'm going to make it a real job. That was me my entire life being real. And when you're real at the beginning, you have like nobody in your life, maybe one or two people. And as you push through that struggle of being authentically yourself and being real, more and more people start to gravitate towards you. And they're going to be people that you never in your lifetime thought that they would be friends with you or be related to you, but they are. And then people that you thought were going to be there, they're not going to be there anymore. Because your version of being real isn't conducive to their version of being real. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But having the mental fortitude to know that that's the way life is and that's the way life's going to go, and then moving forward on that is so key. It's such a big thing. because. Too many people get caught in this poor little old me. I call it plum syndrome. Poor little old me. No one's going to help you but yourself. And if you're not real with yourself, you're going to have a tough time helping yourself. And I don't care who you are. People say, oh, your network's going to help you. At the end of the day, I wake up in the morning knowing that I'm the person that wakes up. I'm the person that does the work. I'm the only person that's going to look out for myself, period. Not my friends, not my family. And I live my life. As, as bad as this might sound, with the mentality that my own parents wouldn't help me out. Because remember that I go back to the beginning of our conversation, burn the boats. If I live my life knowing that I'm the only person that's going to help myself out, when people do help me out, I value it and cherish it more. So it doesn't mean that I'm not going to allow them to. And I know we're a little off topic, but I'm still going to allow them to. Because I've brought myself as far as I physically and mentally and, and business-wise can go, and now I am deserving of that help, and then I'll take it for sure. But the only way I can find out whether or not I'm at that level is if I'm real with myself, and I'm doing things out of the goodness of, of, of some sort of morality. Like I said, like if I'm a motorcycle mechanic, I do it for the passion of motorcycles. Because I know what it's like to be on a motorcycle and ride a motorcycle. And I know the joy it's going to bring to other people when they get on their motorcycle. And it rides so awesome because I, of me, the mechanic. There's almost no product in life. Even, even as, and I hate saying it, even like an influencer. You know, they sit back and, and they do those social media influencers. As much as I hate them, if they're getting messages of people saying that they're changing their life, who am I to say that they're doing something wrong? Now, it depends. I mean, obviously, we've got those. It's a, it's a weird subject, that area there. But, you know, Be Real would be the, the heading of that chapter. But, man, like, that, that's a hard book. There's a lot, of, a lot of chapters in that book that you asked me about right now that are not going to be fun to read. And there's a lot of chapters in that book that are going to be boring. You're going to sit there and be like, meditation. What, why is there a chapter on meditation? Who cares, you know? Again, it's the concept that if, if you're willing to pick up the book, then you're willing to, to make the change. Absolutely. 100%. Because the other chapter I was going to say is don't be a wimp. Yeah, yeah. And that's a nice word version of saying it. Don't be soft. We've become a society of being too soft. But that's for another conversation, maybe. <laughs>
Definitely. And I think that's a, it's a great note to end on the idea of being real, being true to who you are, finding your passion and, and really setting yourself up with goals and with that backing behind you to make sure that you, you set them to where you're going to go. I appreciate you spending your time with us today, Jason. And um, I'd like to, like to thank you for, for coming on and hopefully we can have you on again. I'm looking forward to it and I appreciate jumping in here and it's, it's been fun talking to you. And I hope that anybody that's listening to this can, you know, take some small part of it with an open mind and apply it to their life. And if they do, that's great. And if you don't agree with my stuff, that's also great. You have a reason why. Perfect. Thanks, Jason. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcasts to keep up to date with the awesome people and awesome things we talk about. This is Jonah reminding you to be awesome today and be even more tomorrow.